Hello, my name is Thomas Carruthers, and this is my podcast. Saving that one. Interesting. <laughs> and you're Rian Holmes, and I we're am. in the middle. We can't seem to shake you off on the uh, uh, month of Fincher. We're in the middle. Bad smell. (laughs) Uh, We're in the middle. Well, no, we're we're past the middle of of our month of Fincher. And we're talking about a film that I don't, that isn't maligned, but also isn't revered. And just nobody talks about (laughs) And I really do think in regards to degree of difficulty, this may be not his best film, but one of his biggest challenges and the fact that it's 95% pulled off is astounding to me. Um, The curious case of Benjamin Button. My name is Benjamin Button and I was born under unusual circumstances. While everybody else was aging, I was getting younger, all alone. Scott Fitzgerald short story. Uh, very simple premise, great high concept premise. He grows young, he, he's born old, but then he grows young. And it's and it's ingenious. And you think, how are you gonna? That's a nice little 15-page short story. How are you going to make that into a film? And um, they basically make it gumpy. They they make it Forrest Gump. Um, Same writer as Forrest Gump. yeah <laughs> and it's 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 wacky uh but it's heartfelt it's dramatic uh and i dare say it's beautiful uh, i dare say <laughs> rian what was what's your relationship to the curious case of benjamin button funnily enough i refrained from watching this for as long as i could right um Based it's interesting on... you say the fact that 
I have a lot of existential dread uh-huh. <laughs> as a person. I think any any film that sheds too much light on like life and death is really like spooky. Um, but it's interesting you say that it wasn't necessarily revered because I feel like it's such a staple of pop culture because you'll see references to it everywhere. It's become a phrase to, well, (laughs) like Benjamin Button. Anytime somebody starts getting younger, or or not, (laughs) well, obviously, (laughs) but uh, anytime anybody uh, like looks vaguely younger, You'll go, oh, all right, bedroom oh, button. Yeah. And it is weird because this isn't this wasn't like a big it got nominated for loads of Oscars, but didn't win any. I, I don't know. It's I, you know, I put my Blu-ray in the other day. I forgot that it was two hours forty-six. I always thought it was a tight two hour. I mean, it's still tight, and I and I personally think it flies by. Um, but um it's a long I movie. Think about that later. Oh, okay. <laughs> It's interesting, though, that you said, you know, how are you supposed to adapt this from a 15-page short story? And they bloody did it. They just went completely the other direction. It's a bit like Shawshank. It's extrapolating. I mean, I haven't read the short story, uh, but it's extrapolating every little thing you can. And it's like that. People don't think short stories can be adapted. Uh, And sometimes they're bad. and sometimes they're excellent. You've got to, the, the most great short story adaptations come from an extrapolation. Arrival, excellent short story, um, excellent film because of an extrapolation. It really it takes that concept and it, um, and it blows it out. Before we get into the movie that we do get in 2008, I want to, I'm going to run through the history of this production and we're going to do little stops on the way and see if any of these versions are better because I dare say that looking again at the degree of difficulty this is the best possible version that this film could be yes I agree there's no really um uh, casting possibilities for Daisy Rachel Weiss was floated about and I love Rachel Weiss but you're not going to be Kate Blanchett. However, what's your favourite Kate Blanchett ring before we delve into the film? Oh, that's a good question. I don't know. Off the top of my head, I can't really. I think I did. I really liked her in this. She's great, isn't she? I know Carol. I love. I love Carol. I love Notes on a Scandal. You want to fuck me, Barbara? Um, oh, it's that. Oh, I did. I did say that, that in a previous episode. So much. <laughs> My two, my two favourite niche quotes that I need to get out more are, don't you fuck me, Barbara, and you did it all for Provasic uh, from The Fugitive. <laughs> One of, my, of course. Oh, Richard, Richard, calm down, Richard. Richard, please. Dr. Richard Kimball, everybody. You switch the samples. Uh, great Ford, great Ford. Um, but um, we move into... So it starts off floated with Jack Nicholson, I mean, I, I adore Jack Nicholson. I think of those of the. I usually float my top five actors as Jack Nicholson, De Niro. Pacino, I mean, it's very basic. De Niro, Pacino, <laughs> and then two Hoffmans, uh, Dustin and um, Philip Seymour. Um, but I think Jack's probably the most watchable. 
I could argue yeah. that of those five, Pacino's Godfather work. Man. Oh yes, well naturally, <laughs> um, Pacino's Godfather work is exceptional and probably is the best of those five. However, if I was going to pick a random actor, I, Nicholson's always watchable. I feel like he's the most versatile. Would that be yeah. wrong to say? No, no, you can say whatever <laughs> you'd like. Uh, which I think would lead well. And I think there's a bit of Nicholson in, in Pitt um, mm-hmm. in regards to just sheer sheer charisma, uh, which is boundless uh, as yeah. we get into the sort of meat in the middle uh, later in this film. And it's interesting because I feel like Pitt doesn't, he doesn't act a lot in this. Like, no. There's no. There's no kind of like grandiose you know, really emotional moments for him. Yeah, he, he doesn't have his do... big scene where he goes, yeah. I'm a ba- I'm a boy. Do you know how hard it is to be a boy and an old man? Like, I, I didn't look at... What annoys me is on, when they put the Oscars on YouTube, they cut out the clips because of obvious copyright reasons. Mm-hmm. What was What's the Oscar clip for this? What's his Oscar clip? Because obviously what he was nominated. Yeah. Is it the bath? Is it? <laughs> I guess I don't know because, like, in the beginnings anyway, you you can't really get a read on expressions because of all the CGI. Maybe a Tilda Swinton scene. He's sort of because you can't have. Maybe his best scene is when he's young, younger, and he comes back and sees Kate, and they have their one night stand again, and she's older and married. That's probably his best scene. But that that gives away too much. I don't know. I don't know. Uh, that's only... interesting you say that because that was going to be that's coming into my change. Ah, okay. I'll, I'll, get, I'll get there. We'll get there. It is an odd one. It is an odd. It and yeah. it's not given time to breathe. I don't think. Yes, um, I was trying to put it into words. I feel like it throws off the kind of pace of it as well. Yeah. I could, we'll get into that. I could, it's, it's weird to say, but I could have done with another 10 minutes um, of that sort of period. <laughs> um, let's do, oh no, sorry, I'm doing the production history. Then we have, this is the first time it gets put into proper ideas, is with uh, Kathleen Kennedy, Kennedy and Frank Marshall, the wonderkind married couple who sort of did all those Spielberg movies. Kathleen Kennedy is obviously now the Star Wars. She's slowly running that into the ground, uh, milking that cash cow. Um <laughs> But obviously, her and Frank did exceptional work in the eighties. Um, I mean, throw your hand, throw your hand, throw a stone. What's the phrase? Throw, throw a brick. Throw a bone. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, throw. Give Frank Marshall a bone. Uh, the first time it gets properly floated is with Frank Oz directing. Uh, Frank Oz, obviously, um, Little Shop of Horrors, uh, Stepford Wives remake, a personal favourite of mine. Um, in and out, great love in and out. Lots of lots of great great movies. Rather underrated, actually. Obviously, started off as a Muppet Man. Um, that's another version of Benjamin Button I'd watch. Who starts Just as a Muppet? Oh, oh, I was gonna go. I'd watch all Muppets. I'd also except watch except for him. Except for him. <laughs> I'd watch him become a Muppet slowly <laughs> over time. <laughs> it's like you know, will you still love me when I'm saggy? Will you still love me? <laughs> They just go into yeah. the um, abandoned home at the end, and there's just Kermit the Frog sat there. <laughs> sleep, with, <laughs> sleep with me, absolutely. Hey, um, waka waka. 
Sammy dancing, <laughs> waka waka. Um, <laughs> could do that for hours. I could yeah. do small quotes from Benjamin Button as much. <laughs> In addition to um, the fact that we would quote Titanic back and forth, we also bonded <laughs> over our propensity for Muppet voice impression. <laughs> Glad he had someone to keep him warm. Um, <laughs> this could go. This We're going to put this dead in its tracks. Uh, Frank Oz <laughs> just couldn't figure it out. Uh, he did it for a while um, with Robin Swicord, who is a writer on... Um, she did the 90s Little Women, I believe she did a patch up on um, Mean Girls. She was in some relation to Mean Girls. No, I'm I'm a dirty liar. Memoirs of a Geisha. Very different film. Very different. <laughs> Very different film. <laughs> yeah, she wrote <laughs> uh, Memoirs of a Geisha. Uh, she also wrote uh, Practical Magic, bad movie. And this is coming from the world's biggest Nicole Kidman movie. She wrote a movie called Shag. Interesting. She's about the summer of 1963. She's planning, Phoebe Cates is planning to get married to her boyfriend. Uh, well, I like Phoebe Cates. Um, that's why I don't believe in Sam and Gremlins. Um, and she, oh, and she wrote the screenplay for Matilda, which is arguably, you know, not to get too cute, but one of the better film to book, adap- book to film adaptations of all time. Yeah, Franco's is planning to make it with Martin Short. Um, so I'm guessing they're going for more of a comedic angle. Mm-hmm. I mean, I love Martin Short. I don't know how that would translate. Yeah. I guess I guess it works in some on some levels, but the, the overarching thing is very sad. <laughs> well, this is the thing. It, it just have to be more wacky. It would be like Mr. Megorium's Wonder Emporium. Like mm-hmm. sad. <laughs> But, but touching. I remember as a child watching Mr. McGurian's Wondering Power and going, oh, he's dead? <laughs> like, what? <laughs> I mean, I was also a child that watched Turns of Endearment very young. So I, my, my mum yeah. never held back on dead. You, you were drums. ready for that. <laughs> I was ready for it. I was like, okay, Mr. McGurian, I just watched a, a, a middle-aged woman die of cancer and say goodbye to her children. I'm okay with Mr. McGurian and his fancy balls and his bloody ball. <laughs> you just room. wrote a screenplay about it. <laughs> Uh, here's the big one. Uh, ooh, <laughs> here's the big one. Spielberg, Tom Cruise. Oh. That's the one where it was going for a while and they were really working on that. Every, t- every time they get it into motion, it's got one big problem. The technology is not there. Yeah. They always figured it as a movie where you'd have five people playing Benjamin Button which then means you don't have a lead. You don't, I mean, I can see that movie. Yeah. I can see an interesting movie where you have five stars. No, sorry, mm-hmm. five actors, but you can't have five stars because Pacino doesn't yeah. look like, De Niro doesn't look like a young, um, you know, yeah. if they catch young Leo. Imagine being like a diehard Tom Cruise fan, going mm. to the cinema and he's in it for like 45 minutes. <laughs> Well, it's like um, the the nineties Little Women. Kirsten Dunst plays young Amy. Yeah, the uh, Florence Pugh. Yes. Yeah, and and then it's Samantha Mathis because she's the younger one. Whereas 
Little Women 2000 whatever works infinitely better because Florence Pugh plays, and she's ex, I dare say her work as a child is better than her work as an adult. Not that her work as an adult isn't great, but she does some great child stuff. Yeah. Uh, then we have Ron Howard and John Travolta. Now, of all the ones, I'm very happy this didn't get made. Oh, my God. I would gladly watch a wacky comedy with Frank Oz and Martin Short. I'd watch the serious 80s Spielberg Tom Cruise. But Ron Howard's just... He's never done it for me, Ron Howard. Apollo 13, sure. Mm-hmm. Beautiful Mind, fine. Just very I'm just bland. imagining John Travolta as Danny Zuko. And I know you. the voice is somewhere inside you. Right, um, <laughs> rocking and rolling. Um, Sandy. Uh, I, yeah, I'm, I'm actually better at... Um, you making fun of me, Riz? <laughs> Take I the mean, rusty hunk of tin. Um, there's your Cape Blanchett. Right there. John Travolta as <laughs> Daisy as well. They turn it into like Norbit. <laughs> there is um, Edna Turnblad. Is that breezed? <laughs> I, I very much annoy previous guest David Robinson because I do do Walken and John Travolta speaking to each other. And I've made up an exchange that sort of Mandela effect is in my head as a real thing that happens in Hairspray, and it doesn't. And she likes to repeatedly tell me that there's no scene where she goes, um, if you want to do that dance, you could do that dance, Tracy. And then Walken goes, if you want to dance, dance. And I, that's the only thing I say. Anyway, we know that who the big winner of that movie is Michelle Pfeiffer. Uh, then we get Spike Jones, uh, being John Malkovich adaptation, uh, her. Mm-hmm. And again, he is going more quirky. And we come finally to Fincher and Brad Pitt. There's just no doubt in my mind that this is the best version of that this film could ever be. Yeah, it is perfect. And like, I think as well as, like you were saying, you know, they didn't have the technology available until 2008. In the same way, like, I feel like the adaptation just worked so well for this time period. Mm. Obviously there wasn't like a huge leap from the 90s to 2008, but I like the, the incorporation of like, um, Katrina and mm. New Orleans and like how it all ties together so well and the fact that just so much has happened in that one century that so many people will um, empathise with and like it'll resonate with them. It's that gump thing. It's that, yeah. it's, it's that, oh I know that, I know that. Well, and obviously Katrina's not in the original script. It's about to be made and yeah. then Katrina happens and so they adapt the um, current thing and it really does, it, it, it puts the entire film in a tragic um, gloss. Not really a gloss, but it puts it all in a tragic context um, for that beautiful final shot. Uh, I love water. I famously like water. Um, So the final shot is very aesthetically pleasing. Big fan of the last shot. It's great. And it it brings it all in. And the clock's still working. Uh, and he'll move, he'll go on forever, old Benjamin. Um, this is why Kate Blanchett thinks it works. When you have a cynic dealing with matters of the heart, then you have something interesting. I think if you're going to describe the film in a sentence, it's that. Yeah. 
Because people said, didn't they, that this was Fincher's weirdest film because it's so sweet. And yeah. that's not his style. People are used to... See, this is the thing. People say this, but then they go, what's the best Fincher movie? I don't agree. But they say Social Network. Hmm. It's not the Social Network. It's not a masterpiece. He's made multiple, multiple masterpieces. Okay. People... It's like when Burton doesn't do something weird and kooky. The reason the the you know the fact that our first four Fincher movies are dark murderer movies, and and if they're not murderers, then they're home invasion, and if they're not home invasion, then they're elaborate. Whatever the game is, um, <laughs> then and then you get Zodiac, and then it's like he makes Curious Case of Benjamin Button, and everyone's like, oh. Okay. Yeah, they don't know what to expect from it. And then it's social network, and everyone's like, okay, this is going to be the Oscar sweep. And then it's the bloody King's Speech year, which is a just an insane choice. That is unfortunate. I'll, I can give you Firth, even though I think Firth's win should have been for a single man. But there's just no, there's just, I don't get it. And then he's like, okay, no, all right, you want you want murderers? I'll give you murderers. And he does go the drinking tattoo and he does Gone Girl, which again, two more masterpieces. Amazing. Two more masterpieces, but he's like, no. And now he's back and he's gonna and he did Mank, which is okay, now this is my passion project, another passion project. Um, it's my dad's old script, and it's about the making of Citizen Kane. Here, have it. And I don't think I think it might well, this is the thing. Oh, by the time that this comes out, we'll have had a, we'll be in another Oscar race. So we'll see. Uh, exactly. But um, I hope Mank wins. There'll be a big. Everybody watching this will go. Ha ha! I hope not. I hope not. YouTube comments. This is the latest we've done. YouTube comments. Wow, this movie made me cry. Don't watch if you're pregnant and emotional. <laughs> Should be pregnant or emotional. <laughs> This movie is so long, but I actually lost the track of time watching it. Oh. I did too, as you, but apparently you did not, as we'll get to, presumably, in what's the change. Yeah. Structure we are going to now talk about at 10 minute stretch. Here's a th few I'll throw out. The Old Home, starting, nice, meeting Queenie. Uh, so when he's. <laughs> Incredibly, when he's seven, um, that sort of block. It's a very long movie and it's rather yeah. episodic. So the 10 minutes, we can throw that out. Um, Daisy, very young, when Elle Fanning comes about and they and they go into the they go into the little tent and there's like a touch of the creepy connotations oh, yeah. with the grandma going, oh, you should be ashamed of yourself. And then he's like, oh, I don't know. And Queenie tells him, you're not a, you're not a, you're not right for a boy. People don't understand you. Um, so it touches on it. And I think it touches on it just enough. Yeah, because I mean, he, there's no reason he should understand yeah. the connotations. So it's good that that's like a fleeting thing, because then we're, we're in his perspective. And he is a child. And, uh, the, you know, it's visually odd but then you you just forget about it because he is a child he, they are the yeah. same age there's no problem the question is if you were living in this universe would you believe him <laughs> <laughs> i think about this all too often 
At what point? At, at like, do they think he's? The I think. Well, this is the thing. I think by the time that's the thing about it being in an old home is that the people keep changing. So people will come in thinking he's mm -hmm. just a senile old man who thinks yeah. he's a who thinks he's a child, um, who thinks he's himself is a child. Um, it's obviously just Queenie and Mr. Weathers and the people that are with him for long stretches of time and have been with him from the beginning, uh, including Lightning Man, who believe who know that he's telling the truth and that they've seen him grow old and young. Mm -hmm. I think later in life, I don't think you'd care because he looks like Brad Pitt as he yeah. as he as he gets in no with them. <laughs> as he slips in with them. Mm -hmm. I did have the company of two women or three. <laughs> Oh, four. And I don't blame it, you know, peak Brad Pitt. Um, and he takes them to the old old people's home. And then he doesn't walk him, walk her to the door. Just to it's a funny, it's a funny gag when she walks out <laughs> and they're all old. Uh, but uh, walk her to the door, Bradley, even if it's a one-night job. Um uh, I've got one here that says boat sex dad. So getting on the boat <laughs> with Jared Harris. Having sex for the first time and then oh, meeting yeah. his dad. <laughs> that was one of his favourites. <laughs> <laughs> that scarred me. Just it's, it, I remember that as a kid, laughing. <laughs> I watched it's this when it first came out. Oh, like, yeah. And that, that's why it would have, like, that's one of the parts that would have held up as a comedy. Hmm. It's, it's, I, it's, it's a great conceit is in this, you know. Uh, it's like... It's like um, which is V Street. They keep underestimating Jack Nicholson, but he's the devil, so he's great at sex. He's not an old man. He's great at sex. And uh, this thing of a 16-year-old pubescent boy. Um, I thought he was 14. That's why it's like... I thought he was 16. Uncomfortable. I think there needs to be a little ticking tock, ticking tock, a ticking clock <laughs> in the bottom corner. Uh, which tells us the ages. And I think there isn't because they sort of want us to forget. <laughs> um, yes, I think he's, he's, I, well, because then he says later, I was 17 and I left home. So I sort of, th within a year. Oh yeah, okay, that makes, that, that makes me feel better. <laughs> <laughs> and also you can't blame Jared Harris because he doesn't know. He's an artist. Yeah. <laughs> He's a hummingbird. Um, Tilda. Lovely Tilda Swinton. That's just a nice romance um, sequence. Very well done. Very Dr. Zhivago-esque in the Russia. Uh, I like also when, when Blanchette's life, Daisy's parallels that, and she spends time in Russia, and she's walking through the snow with her Don Bivond, and, um, and they've had their Russian romance. <laughs> And then they found each other again. I completely okay. forgot that. Oh, sorry, Gormley. I was just going to say, it kind of ties in with that whole, like, coincidental thing. And mm. now, you know, they were always going to be the right people, but it was, like, the wrong time. Mm. I completely forgot that Tilda Swinton was in this movie. I remembered yeah. that Jared Harris was in there and um, uh, Mahershala, Ali, Mahershala Ali and Taraji P. Henson as sort of their first roles. Uh, but I completely forgot that there's a good 20 minutes where he falls in love with Tilda Swinton and then she swims the channel. Um, 
on the surface, like I, I, I would have said, you know, you can cut that, like if you're trying to make mm -hmm. it a tighter thing. But seeing it play out, I did quite like it. I, I think I've always had this thing of sort of if it's not going to be ninety minutes, and it's a, and it's an epic, then just lean into it. Because I think if you cut that out, then you go, all right, then let's just lift that out as well. And let's just have a nice tight hour 40 with Daisy. But I think this film doesn't work if it's not two hours 46 and it's not epic yeah. and it's not a life. That's what I mean. I think if, if it was any shorter, I think it would have needed like kind of more extravagant moments. Otherwise mm. people would have been like, oh, it's a bit boring. Whereas it's enough time for people to stick with it and be really invested. And you do, you feel like you've watched someone's whole life <laughs> by the end of it. And the aging works best when it's in that middle two hour block. No, middle hour and a half block where it's mostly the makeup and it's the little things and scene by scene, it's getting gradual and gradual. The most issues with the aging are when it's scene to scene. Like the reveal when he's on the boat and he's and he turns, it's like a superhero comic supervillain reveal, and he turns around and he goes, "Well," and he's through the snow, and you're like, "Oh, he's not CGI anymore." That's the like the they're the most jarring ones, which is obviously yeah. used to incredible effects later in the film when he becomes a, a literal child, mm -hmm. uh, and I think he's used actually quite well uh, when he comes back as a twenty year old, twenty, yes, hopefully. Uh, um, where am I? Paris, uh, with her unfortunate accident. Um, yeah. Very well done. I, I, again, it's all themes of coincidence and life and fate and the issues of all that. Yeah, I really like the, the chaos theory kind of montage hmm. where he's talking about all the, the, the events that led up to it. It's also it's just very aesthetically pleasing when she yeah. snaps the uh, shoelace and then she doesn't. It's just, it's just very well made. You know, you give, you give, you give a man some tools. Uh, you give a good worker some tools, and he'll he'll make you a shed. I don't know. Sound <laughs> teach a man to fish. <laughs> teach, teach a man to make a solid montage sequence, <laughs> and uh, and he'll give you one. And, you know, in this sort of movie, that's where you get the kineticism and the dynamic nature that uh, we he, he so greatly did in Fight Club. And, and here it's exploring fate and circumstances of that. Uh, I love the song My Prayer, which leads into um, her coming home. And just that entire meet in the middle. Mm -hmm. That's the peak of the film, really. Um, yeah, I had the 60s and being on the boat and in the duplex. Yeah, just... the duplex is the best minute. Well, no, uh, well, maybe not. But it's definitely a nomination mm -hmm. for best film minute. I, I think it, it just works really well. They have great chemistry. Um, yeah. There's the beauty of the story is that they obviously do meet in the middle. Um, and the fact that it's like secluded as well, mm. like they're literally feeling like they're the only two people in the world. That duplex twist and shout montage is just great that they don't bother getting a bed. Yeah. They don't need one. That's the dream. 
It is a dream. <laughs> it's a bit, it's like the fulfillment of Sally's speech in When I Met Sally, where she's all about the tiles. She's like, you know, we never, but we never do fly anywhere and we never do have sex on the tile. It was this cold ceramic Mexican tile. Um, and then what David Finch calls the razor's edge montage, where you, where you don't know whether he's going to kill himself or not, where he sort of travels the world. <clears throat> yeah, I didn't consider that, actually. Like, I, I always assumed that he would just age to, to death as, as planned. So this is the thing, I think I'd kill myself at, at sort of 20 slash 80. That's the thing, because... When, for fear when of what's it going to be what, what's yeah how is this going to work because when you know you age conventionally mm. obviously the fear of like being senile and losing your senses is there but you don't have any kind of concrete proof mm. whereas like you're literally a baby mm. <laughs> I, I just, how's that gonna how's that gonna work i mean that's i mean it's Beautiful yeah. and sad and emotional. That into the my final nomination for ten minute stretch. The the caring of of young Benjamin. Um, it's very very beautiful and well done and upsetting. And um, you know the, the, you know I offered my mum to watch it again and she said no I can't watch that anymore because obviously since two thousand and eight you know dementia does you know unfortunately seep into human life. And it is a really, it's a, maybe perhaps on the nose metaphor, but um, you, they, you know, you do revert, you do revert to a child. You are cared for again in so many ways. And um, in that sense, it is a rather obvious metaphor, but it's beautifully and elegantly told and just wonderfully performed by Blanchett. Uh, the moment with the baby where she talks about the baby knowing them. That, that's, that's every um, carer and family's relationship with dementia is that the, yeah. the, the eyes tell the tale. And Seeing the kind of glimmer of recognition mm. at the end. And like it makes you see it as well. Mm. It's tremendously well done. And uh, then, you know, it's, and then it's Katrina. And then it's like, oh no, she's going to die in Katrina. Yeah. She's going to die anyway, but maybe Julia Armand's going to die from Mad Men. Two Mad Men people in this: Jared Harris and Julia Armand. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. Nominations room for ten minutes stretch. I sort of did the whole span of the film, but uh, have I have <laughs> I, really I have did. I missed anything else? We covered a lot. Um, the only one that you'd missed that I had was Sunrise on Lake Pontchartrain, where mm -hmm. he takes his dad out mm. for the last time. And it's like that moment of forgiveness and his um, monologue that kind of mm. plays over it. Like, you know, you can curse and shout and scream, but you, you've got to learn to let things go. It's just mm. very well done. I don't know how it's possible, but you seem to have more fire. What if I told you that I wasn't getting older? I was getting younger than everybody else. Well, I feel sorry for you. You have to see everybody you love die before you do. It's an awful responsibility. I never thought about life or death that way before. Benjamin, we're meant to lose the people we love. How else would we know how important they are to us? 
it's that you know I can very easily see the Ron Howard. I think, I think in anybody else's hands, this is a this is one of those massive bombs, and it's like, have you ever have you ever I've never actually sat through all of Benjamin Button. I just can't do it. It's terrible. I I can just see it as this big thing of, you know, somebody somebody writes a book about it, and it's like the curious case of the curious case of Benjamin Button, and it's like just this massive box office bomb. It's terrible. And I think in the hands of Ron Howard or maybe even Spielberg, I, I think it's a lot to chew. I, I, Spielberg doesn't have many bombs, but mm-hmm. I, I just think the degree of difficulty with this film is obscene. Yeah. And, and you, you really got to be, you've got to be present for the whole thing to really appreciate hmm. it. And so that doesn't really take into account the, the wee breaks that you'd need in the cinema. <laughs> I was watching uh, the, that's it, right. This is another reason I love David Fincher. What do I love, Rian? Um, being right. <laughs> that's true. I also love Blu-rays. And David Blu-rays. Fincher's Blu-rays are filled with special features. He always does a commentary track. And, he, and, and I was getting my uh, disc two of Benjamin Button ready. And I pressed play all. And I checked how long it was. And it said three hours. And I went, Yes. The amount of bloody, I mean, Netflix, it's just not a thing anymore, is it? You just don't, there's no special features and no commentaries. Yeah. What did I even do? The, even the good titles are just slowly deteriorating. Mm. I mean, Marriage Story and The Irishman. I can watch Marriage Story and The Irishman anytime I want. Did I spend £20 each buying Blu-rays of them? Yes, I did. <laughs> am I very happy with that? Am I, am I very, very happy with that? Yes, I am. Did they come with beautiful booklets? And does the marriage story one <laughs> come with the letters that I love you, uh, Charlie? That is cute. It's great. And I'm very happy. And you know what? <laughs> I was uh, One of my friends did an Instagram when they were like, oh, I've had to buy all Harry Potter DVDs because my Wi-Fi doesn't work. And I was like, ha! That'll never happen to me because <laughs> I'm A great. timeless medium. DVDs will never die. They won't. Or at least Blu-rays won't. They're trying to make 4K Blu-rays now. Maybe, maybe this will come out in a year, and by then we'll, these episodes won't come out because they'll have been uh, an atomic bomb and we'll all be dead. But who sure. knows? I say this with sincerity, though. You're the only person I know that has Blu-rays. Well, some yeah, but some movies don't go to DVD anymore. They go straight to Blu-ray, and they, sometimes they re-release them. And you need you need it. You need the <laughs> it's higher definition. Um, and more special features, more room for special features. Tom's weirdly specific favourite parts of the film. Oh, that's no, that's what I was going to say. And the end of the special feature, uh, they do the premiere. And what does Brad say? He says, go, go now. Go to the toilet now. Because you're not going to want to miss it in an hour and 45. Go to the toilet. <laughs> go to the toilet now. And then Fincher awkwardly goes, he's not kidding. And then they sit down and they watch the film. That's cute. It's a great three hours i very much enjoyed it <laughs> uh tom's really specific favorite part of the film i love the buttons on the opening oh yeah uh the reverse war this 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 is oh, where yeah. this is where you get your real fincher's going to do this for 150 days and you know that's what is it 10 seconds and there's a whole special feature on it because it you, you know you shooting 10 seconds of that and Finch is a real takes guy 
loves multiple takes. Fe- uh, there was a big story recently about uh, Mank. I say recently, it's been a year, uh, but um, about Mank and how they shot one of the scenes for 100 takes. And uh, Gary Oldman said, I just did 100 takes of this. And he goes, yeah, now we're going to do 101st. Um, but I, but it, for me, it's more about perfection than it is about the sort of psychoanalysis of, that people put on the Kubrick multiple takes. Mm-hmm. It's like, no, 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 this is, this is just aiming for perfection. And yeah. people talk about the Kubrick takes and every actor that they actually interview, they go, oh no, it makes sense. The things that he tells you, yeah, all right, let's do another take like that. It's mm-hmm. no, there's no big thing of like, he's sinking the film because they're clearly worth it. And doing that 10 seconds, the reverse war, it's a great little snippet that puts you in the context of the entire film. Yeah. I think it is the mark of a good director mm. for, you know, to have a, a certain thing that you want to achieve by the end of those 100, 150 takes, yeah. Mm. I love that the, the the introduction to the baby is that they maybe step on him. Marshall <laughs> <laughs> Ali's genuinely scared that he stepped on the baby, and that's why it looks like that. Um, I love the funeral of Mrs. Wagner that ends with a big symbol crash. That is very specific. Uh, I love Elle Fanning going, read it again, and then CGI Benjamin popping out going, read it again. <laughs> It is so creepy. Also, off, you know, would you believe him? I don't think Elle Fanning would be that switched on to be like, oh, yes, this is a child. Because I feel like as a kid, you just go off her shorts. But then I guess it, it, it doesn't matter because she ages. And she's, she's in the loop. <laughs> yeah, no, Elle Fanning's great. I love Elle Fanning. Elle Fanning, the superior Fanning. Really? <laughs> oh, yeah. My God. <laughs> Even from Super 8, I was like, she's going to be better than Dakota. Neon Demon, she's excellent. The Beguiled, one of the most underrated films of the past 10 years. I guess I've seen more with Dakota in it, but I do really like Elle. I think Elle's going to be like, I think, we're, I think we're looking for an Oscar in 20 years. I'm seeing it. I'm seeing it. Beguiled. Why don't people talk about the Beguiled? Beguiled was excellent. You get Dunst, Kidman, and Fanning in one motion picture. Great film. It's a good uh, day to be Thomas Carruthers. <laughs> and it's directed by Sophia Coppola, uh, who then and again does great films and then does really meandering movies. Um, and Colin Farrell's great in it. Everybody watch the Beguiled. <laughs> uh Tilda's heel, I just, Tilda does great prop work with her heel. (laughs) Uh, Swimming the channel. Uh, I like, I like uh, when Julia Armand, uh, the daughter, goes, do you want me to skip some, when he's talking about railing Tilda Swinton in a Russian hotel. Uh, Again, we don't know how graphically, uh, it's a bit of a Titanic moment. (laughs) How much is she describing (laughs) in that that diary? And how much is is old Gloria Stewart? Is it his own diary for himself, or did he always mean to like bestow it onto? He said, I think so. It's like, this is my last will and testament. I think he gets that he's an anomaly and that it is a strange life. 
And people then, are going to want to read about me someday. <laughs> thank God there's not a publishing montage at the end of this. <laughs> like, I remember watching the Diary of Anne Frank that did a TV movie as a kid. And I remember Otto? Did I just pull Anne's dad out of nowhere? Otto, yeah, Otto Frank. Oh, yes! <laughs> <laughs> Uh, 10 points um, and I remember him finding the, the diary and going oh and, and I was like even as a kid I was like come on come on let this come on let this end just nicely yeah. that's one of my favourite Joan Rivers jokes is that uh, it's a bit dark and she talks about you know I wrote a book but oh, Anne Frank's the best female author it doesn't even end right they are coming up there there's no ending Great, great Joan Rivers joke. You can laugh. It's fine. <laughs> Where am I? Um, and, and I love that she goes, do you want me to skip some? And Kate's like, no, I'm glad he had someone to keep him warm. And it's just... Warm. I, just any other words. <laughs> what, you'd prefer it if she goes, no, I'm glad he was getting some action. <laughs> Honestly, yeah. <laughs> I'm glad he was railing Tilda Swinton behind her husband's back. Oh my god. If it wasn't for Benjamin having sex with her multiple nights, she wouldn't have summed the channel. Is that what we're supposed to get? I um, I that is a very gump moment, isn't it? <laughs> Inadvertently helps her live her dream. Uh, right after, <laughs> I love the depressed uh, guy on the speedboat, and he's like, Food sickness is the most serious amounts of deaths right after inadequate safety equipment. <laughs> I love when, on the, when they go on a date uh, where she does the incredible dance and tries to have sex with them. The first time where she's like, I've been with all the men, um, which I think is a nice moment. Um, and, I, and when she goes to smoke and he looks for his lighter and he's like, I didn't know you smoked. And he's looking for his lighter. As, as being a helpful man. Um, Brad Pitt on yeah. a bike. Oh, go on, go on, sir. I was going to say, it's, it's, it's very well done because it shows that even though they are the same age, they're at different phases mm. in their lives and how that changes so much. She's lived in the New York of the 50s. Yeah. Like, you know, in, in the, the, the beat generation West uh, Broadway world, she's at these great attic parties and he's caring for his dying father estranged father and he went to war <laughs> and he's been arthritic so yeah it's, it's it's a great moment anytime Brad Pitt's on a bike uh, great great funeral attire uh, what an outfit at his uh, Queenie's funeral he's like yeah I'm going to respect Queenie but I'm going to wear this killer uh, <laughs> black turtleneck and <laughs> suit jacket combination I mean, he's got to start stunting on him. He's he's entering his Brad Pitt moment. And uh, and then the final clock, which is wonderful. Yeah. Uh, Rian, do you have any specific favourite parts? Me, little. Uh, I also had the shot of the clock. Just all of the the cuts back to the present. I think are really mm. sweet. And um, they they're there for like, I think just the right amount of time. Um, anything with Taraji P Henson. Mm. I just like her mothering nature. It's just so nice. And it's it's just nice, like, again, to have that one, not voice of reason, but the one person who understands his mm. condition. I think, it, I think it's a good angle that the film doesn't take 
that it's not all about him having to convince people. It's a bit like Forrest Gump. Yeah. Nobody's like, Forrest, uh, you know, you need, I think you're uh, special in many ways. I think you need to go into serious education or something. We, there are people that can help you. It's like, no, <laughs> let's just forget that. And have a wacky, wacky, yeah. he, he sees the Watergate yeah. happening. Um, I think it's, it's a testament to the time as well. Hmm. Like people didn't know anything, <laughs> you know, they didn't have any frame of reference for a lot of conditions. So they just kind of went, okay, <laughs> this is fine. Forrest, I have a great joke uh, in that Forrest Gump is two and a half hours of, it's your cousin, Marvin Berry. It's that new <laughs> sound you're looking for. Literally Forrest <laughs> Gump has, has one of those moments Every two and a half minutes. Literally. Uh, In between um, a seriously depressed woman uh, dealing with serious drug addictions. Can you say Daisy? In 2002, they put up a new clock in that train station. And in the spring, 2003. Oh, any other specific favourite parts of the film? Uh, the ballet studio, where they're both hmm. looking in the mirror, and she, she makes the comment about, oh, we're almost the same age, hmm. met in the middle. And then he says, I just want to remember this hmm. as we are right now. Again, it's, it's that great handling of sincerity in that meet in the middle could have been, you know, the tagline and the thing hmm. that everybody quotes. And it's like, we yeah. met in the middle. It's like, it didn't need to be. It, it was it that one almost throwaway. Like, didn't have too much weight on it. It's like you complete me, and um, and you had me at hello. People make fun of those, but in the context of Jerry Maguire and and with Rene and Tom's performances, I'm very close friends. Um, <laughs> Rene, Rene, <laughs> um, and uh, but in the context of the film, they work very well. It's like uh, it's like when I met Sally, you know. Uh, I, I hate you. That whole speech still works tremendously well because of the performances, the writing and the directing. It could so easily be terrible, as in You've Got Mail. I'm glad it was you. The You've Got Mail guy. Soundtrack Corner. Uh, best song in the soundtrack is Twist and Shout. Best used shout. of a song is My Prayer. <laughs> Actually, no, it's probably Twist and Shout for everything. I had those two at the top. Mm. I also really liked um, If I Could Be With You One Hour Tonight, mm. but a case star. Oh, actually, um, If I Loved You Ballet. Yeah. Excellent. Love Carousel. So is she the lead? Is she, well, not the lead. Is she playing um, the daughter? 
I'm not. Is it is it car is it actually carousel, or is that just like a little? No, because it's the it's the it's the Act Two ballet where she's dancing on the beach because they've got the beach background and it's that music, it's that ballet music. So has she been cast as as Daisy, like a big big Broadway star? Potentially, maybe she's like the understudy, you know. No, because it looks like the opening night. Very they... unfortunate time for the leads. She got very sick on opening night. <laughs> Like, ooh, like when Sarah Brightman was ill for a month and they brought Claire Moore in for the Phantom and they're like, oh, oh, Claire Moore's excellent. And then suddenly Sarah got better. What day? The day that Diana came to watch. You bitch, Sarah Brightman. She had a bloody month and a half off so that she could be perfect for Diana. Terrible. Oh, Claire Moore. Oh, she got to play Ellen. She was the original Ellen in uh, Miss Saigon. We want children of our own. Um, Oscar Travesty. This was a really odd Oscar year. Um, I'll get it up in a second, but that sort of... Um, it's just one of those typical Oscar years where it's like... Where it's like, oh, yeah, these were the nominees. You know, it's... So Slumdog wins... It's Slumdog, Curious Case of Benjamin Button, Milk, The Reader, and Frost Nixon. All fine films. Um, Heath Ledger. Yeah, yeah. The big, the big win here is Heath Ledger for uh, <clears throat> um, for Dark Knight. Although maybe Robert should have won for Tropic Thunder, uh, one of the greatest perform uh, sporting performances of all time. Uh, but, I love um, how sorry. I love how every maybe six to nine months, someone new on Twitter finds Robert Downey Jr. in *Tropic Thunder*, and they're like, "Oh my god, cancel him!" This is this is what I don't understand. Maybe too political, but there was you know, blackface is is also never great, and I don't want to be on this apple cart. Uh, <laughs> Disclaimer: hot, hot take. <laughs> But um, you know, a lot of the a lot of the cancelling that was happening when they were looking back at some of the blackface um, used in TV shows, especially "It's Always Sunny for Me," was those blackface episodes are deconstructions of blackface in the media, and I think that you know, you know, it wasn't the right time, I guess, for in-depth conversation on when blackface is okay. But also, I think, yeah. a look at the actual context of a piece. Yeah, it's who they're actually making fun of in the moment. And, like, I yes. will, I'll say, like, I haven't actually seen Tropic Thunder, but as far mm. as I'm aware. Yeah, it's the, the extremist. Character is a, the character is a caricature of a... Daniel Day-Lewis type. Wow. Of a, yeah. Not that Daniel Day-Lewis is a blackface, but the, you know, what lengths will these absurd method actors go to yeah. to win an Oscar? And and in that, there's also Ben Stiller doing um, a film called Simple Jack, which is his completely misjudged, um, you know, I'm going to play, you know, Rain Man, Forrest Gump, I Am Sam, you know, I'm going to do my big Oscar movie. And he's like a uh, mentally uh, challenged young farmhand that can listen to horses and it's you know it's making fun of these things and we need yeah. to understand that in context it's just a really lackluster year i I'm, i guess i'm fine with slumdog you know winning mm -hmm. but slumdog millionaire is also a movie that 
you know, I watched in in uh, 2008 and I've just never thought of again. Well, no, I have thought of it, but I've never gone, all right, I'll watch Slumdog again. Yeah, it kind of like swept the nation and then like was... Jai Ho did. Jai Ho really God, did yeah. sweep the... the love, people loved Jai Ho. <laughs> Maybe that's what let this film down as well. Like as, as no, Jai Ho. As the score is, it didn't have anything that was like the clincher. Like nothing that could be played on the radio. It didn't have a big uh, closing credits uh, Bollywood dance sequence, which <laughs> I think is what Curious Case of Benjamin is. I mean, doesn't he go to India at the end? He, he does go that. to India. Yeah. <laughs> I think it should have been some people are mothers, some people are dancers. In a way, we're all dancers. <laughs> and then Kate Blanchett keeps spinning and then everybody comes on. You know, we're and then all. It's like, him as an old man dancing, him as a baby dancing with CGI. You know, it's 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 there for the taking. Also, uh, best supporting actor, that baby was robbed. <laughs> yes. <laughs> for the glimmer of recognition. How just you know, it's it's just nice to think how far we've come since uh, Steve Martin CGI baby at the end of Two Father Doesn't Do. <laughs> Oh my god, that gave me actual nightmares. It was my sister's favourite film for so long. She would do road trips where she would just watch the, all of Chief Mother Doesn't Do and then start it again. <laughs> Are we miss is, is this Brad Pitt's Oscar? I don't think so. Like I say, he didn't do yeah. a lot of acting, but he emulated the character very well. Sean Penn wins for Milk, and he's excellent in Milk. He's very good in Milk. Um, I personally think this is Mickey Rourke's year for The Wrestler, I think, in years to come. And it's sort of already started now. In years to come, we'll look back and go, hmm, what's happening there? Uh, Angelina Jolie should have won for The Changeling. Well, that's a different episode. A very depressing episode. Um, are we missing... Uh, you know, Taraji B. Henson's great. Is she... You know, that's a pretty... Sta- Oh, I'm I'm completely blind. She's right there. <laughs> uh, but again, yeah, I'm, think, I'm sorry. I think she should have she's been nominated. Not but, yeah, I don't think not she was winning. in it enough. No, she's. Where's Kate? Does Kate deserve a nomination? Um, I think so. If, I mean, if hmm. Taraji gets one, I feel like she should have got one as well. I think. Of those nominees to lose, I could lose Melissa Leo in Frozen River. A fine film, but get Kate in. Get Kate in. Um, it does win uh, some Oscars, mainly uh, for art direction. Gets art direction. It's, I believe it obviously gets makeup and effects. Yeah, it does. Yeah. Yeah, that's a given. I mean, that's, yeah, without a shadow of a doubt. Uh, I mean, you the big... Uh, the big question around this year is obviously, um, and then Slumdog wins adapted screenplay, which uh, should have gone to doubt. But um, the big question around that Oscar year is, where's the Dark Knight? And then that leads into uh, the expanding of it from five to ten, and then we get some terrible nominations. Up, oh, Black Panther a very, very influential and, uh, you know, historical moment in film. Just wish it was a better film as well. You know? But that's a controversy for another day. <laughs> that's a controversy for an episode that we will never make. I'm not... <laughs> just, I just don't get it. It's not a good movie. It's not for you. 
you give oh i'm not gonna get on that's another that's my other high horse and it's like, like i'm not going to list all the movies not about straight white men that i adore because i just think that that's just a pointless you know it's just a pointless criticism well i don't like that but i do like this you know it's the fact that like by putting them on the same level and lumping them all in together that's the discrediting it in itself because it's mm. like oh it's just a film with minority leads to you, but it's not. So. That's right. Anyway, let's get back to some nice white people. <laughs> the curious case. <laughs> the curious case of Benjamin. <laughs> um, best single minute. Uh, you can you kick us off this time, Green, with some nominees. Um, I like watching the children play at the beginning, mm. and the kind of <laughs> the first time we see him yearn for a life that isn't his own. And I, I kind of, the last time really, because mm. he never kind of grumbles. Like you say, he never has that defining moment of like how hard it is to be me. He just gets on with it. Yeah. And makes a good go of it. Um, the mattress scene, mm. the chaos theory montage and the end montage. Yeah. Um, obviously where he's like going around India and he's talking about it's not too late or too early to be whoever you want to be. Mm. I guess that's the the you know the big moment. I guess the sort of here's the film statement. Yeah. We're wait we're waiting for that mm. that big round off. I also have I love the clockmakers montage at the start. It does feel like sort of if you're gonna make if you're gonna trim some, you can get rid of that. But it's but again, it's like Magnolia. It, you've got to lean into it being an epic. And the opening 10 minutes of Magnolia and the stories that set up the film that we're about to watch are needed, <laughs> you know, because then when you look back at the Clockmakers story, yeah, that's all the film is. All the film is about is what we want to do, what we want to change, the liminality like, of time. Uh, it's a bit like It's a Wonderful Life, that mm. opening thing where we said like it loses people sometimes, mm. but it is necessary. Yeah. Um, the, the the Baptist Church and and the miracle. Um, so oh God, yeah. So you know, we we're in a movie of of, of absurdity, I guess. Was Taraji P Henson actually um, infertile, or would or was she just having troubles, or was she actually made right. fertile again by by this Baptist priest? And I love him dying as well. The Lord giveth and the Lord taketh away. <laughs> Does he just die there? I guess. I think it's it can be taken one of a few ways because I think Benjamin being able to like stand is mm. it's just because he's it's believable. And, yeah, and I think that kind of leads people down this path of like, oh my gosh, it's a miracle, and so you can say that with with other things like that they're applying kind of divine power to just instances of fate and time. That's what the final dance number can be set to. Barry Manilow's It's a Miracle. Great song. Um, I also have that sort of going to see her in Carousel and that sort of 50s New York. That's just a great aesthetic uh, to lean into. I very much enjoy. And I also love is, is you know, it's not some big argument scene he says he admits he admits immediately you know 
it's not it's not your fault it's mine i thought i was going to come here and sweep you off your feet it's my fault i was unrealistic and they're it's both the awkwardness of it yeah it's, it makes it so real and you, you like you know, it didn't need to be like you say it didn't need to be this big flashing screaming match and it's and it's that they both understand the situation immediately you know we don't leave it going oh it doesn't lean into um as being more with benjamin and you know daisy becoming some evil bitch for 10 minutes and it doesn't lean into uh daisy's side of view and like oh is this weird stalker i'm enjoying my life you know yeah no it's okay we can't just see each other what was that movie with Anne halfway one day is it called one day where one day they meet each other one day a year or whatever. Yeah, I can't remember. Um, uh, yeah, that's, that's my biggest pet peeve with films, like the invented conflict. Mm. Whereas that, I think, is very purposeful. Yeah. Um, best line? I mean, these are the most, like, they, they really hit home. They're very, they're very poetic lines. Take it away. Um, it's a funny thing about coming home, looks the same, smells the same, feels the same. You'll realise what's changed is you. Uh, and in the spring of uh, 2003, he looked at me and I knew that he knew who I was. And then he closed his eyes as if to go to sleep. Our lives are defined by opportunities, even the ones we miss. Yeah, that's good. That get me. I was thinking how nothing lasts and what a shame that is. Some things last. Some things last. <laughs> Some things last. Um, and I've also got the Some people will want to sit by a river, some be struck by lightning, some of the air for music, some of others, and some people dance. Mm. Sleep with me, absolutely. That's just a great movie star moment. Just great romance, great sex. It's like it's it's like, yeah, come on, I want to see that Kate Blanchett and Brad Pitt just go, just do it already. <laughs> and also there's the tender moments of you know she's obviously got her wounds now and mm-hmm. you know he doesn't fetishize it but he just glides past her and it's like okay yeah no I, I don't care yeah. um, and when she's like will you love me when I'm old and saggy and he's like will you love me when I'm wet in the bed <laughs> well that's the thing it starts off as a joke and halfway through that line that I think that's where you can make an Oscar case for Pitt is that halfway through that line he does a lot of great subtlety and it starts off funny when I've got acne and I'm wet in the bed and then it hits him what the nature of this is going to be. And from that point on, they're like, oh no, this is, we have, you know, yeah. we have to understand and reckon with what this actually is. What's the change? You were pretty. Um, you, I've got three. I've got three little ones, and then I think we're moving into some big conversations with you. Um, why did Queenie lie? Why did she say that it was her um, diseased daughter of of a stepsister who came out white, and that was the disease? Why didn't she just say they just put they just found a baby on the stem? I, mean, I don't know. Maybe they would have like taken him away if he wasn't a blood relative. Mm, I don't know. Um, the hummingbird. Don't like the hummingbird either times. That's too too bloody feather and forest gump for me. I don't like the hummingbird. No, too I much. Can see too that. much. I could maybe have the little hummingbird through the rain at the end mm-hmm. if we didn't have it earlier. I 
can't stand Jared Harris's <laughs> spirit going away in a hummingbird. Let me let the ocean. Come on, man. Come on, Ross. Come on, Eric. Yeah, I just think there's enough, like, really nice Whimsy. images and, like, allegories without that, you know? I put here, arriving late. <laughs> Beats me, as an uh, Rian, you you want a you want a nice tight hour and a half movie? <laughs> <laughs> Not necessarily. Okay, okay. I'll so what's get your big get your big get your big scissors out? This is my thing. So I think once it gets to you know she's had the baby and she's got this new life, and then mm. it's it's after they part ways. Mm. I feel like I was preempting the end. And so when I when it didn't arrive right away, I was like, "Do we really need this?" In my in my mind, on the first watch, I thought, "Okay, I like him coming back as like younger." I feel like they could have made him even younger, make it extra creepy. Yeah, but they um, can't have sex then, can they? Mm, they need him to yeah. be twenty and her to be sixty seven sixty. Yeah. No. Yeah. Okay. Scratch that. I feel like, for me anyway, that is a really nice moment. And then her finding him as a as a really young child and nursing him to mm. his death is a really nice moment. I just would have had it as one or the other because I feel like it kind of detracts from seeing him again after they part. If they have, like, because they've had that buffer in the middle. Mm. And I think it, it, I mean, he's unrecognizable anyway from the last time she saw him, but it would have been mm. even more like striking if the last time she saw him was like when they were together. Oh, yeah. Well, that's, well, that's the great thing about the, them casting a child near the end is that he's leaning on the piano and it's like, we expect young, really, really young Brad Pitt. And they're like, oh, how are they going to do this? Mm. Uh, and then when he turns around and he's a fully child, that's, that's great. And that child actor does great work. Um, yeah. And like the resemblance is there. Yeah, but. I can see that, yeah. And if only one thing had happened differently, if that shoelace hadn't broken, or that delivery truck had moved moments earlier, or that package had been wrapped and ready because the girl hadn't broken up with a boyfriend, or that man had set his alarm and got up five minutes earlier, or that taxi driver hadn't stopped for a cup of coffee, or that woman had remembered her coat and got into an earlier cab, Daisy and her friend would have crossed the street and the taxi would have driven by. Allô, la réception? Oui. But life being what it is, a series of intersecting lives and incidents, out of anyone's control, that taxi did not go by, and that driver was momentarily distracted. <laughs> Taxi hit Daisy. And her leg was crushed. Um, well, Finch talks about this on the commentary track. He's like, he got lots of people coming to him and saying, you've made the wrong movie. The mo you're, you're spending two hours with him being young in an old man's body, but the more interesting movie is being old in a young man's body. And I don't necessarily think that's true. I think the the rapid aging in that sort of final 40 minutes brings home everything. 
Yeah, and like uh, you know, that's when you do the most living, really, yeah. like conventionally. Hmm. So and also, it makes yeah. sense. And also, there's a movie. There's a movie in my mind, uh, not like Mister Gun, but there's a movie <laughs> in my mind where uh, the framing device isn't Katrina and Daisy on her deathbed. The framing device is um, her telling a child, um, like, "Oh, yeah, no, this is the story of the man I loved," and then we find out that she's not talking yes. to her son. But that would be. I think that would be too gimmicky, too twisty, and uh, maybe you'd see it coming. I like it, but obviously you would have to purge a lot of the um, tilt of railing. <laughs> no, that is true. <laughs> and, and other moments. Mm. Um, yeah, I like the twist as well of, um, you know, the daughter's reading it and she's like, is this my real dad? This is how you tell me? Yeah. I mean, that was another moment where I was like, okay, surely now is the end. But it wasn't. Um, yeah. It, also it, was, good. it was a nice touch. And also I love uh, movies where, with these, you know, ridiculous framing, well, not ridiculous, but these framing devices and stuff where they address the nature of the film that they're making. Like, Julia Ramond is like, oh, no, he's ripped out bits here and, oh, um, Oh no, I've read that already. It's not like just per pitch perfect. Hmm. Um, I mean, it's not pitch perfect, uh, which is a significantly worse film. Do you have any other changes, uh, Rian? That was the only like big one that sprang to mind. Um, I would would maybe not miss some of like the earlier stuff. He's hmm. on the boat and like he's at war, but then. Again, like they're all necessary and they all serve a purpose, so I can't be too. Like, I think you have to lean into it. I do. I, I do agree. I think you have to lean into it. I think the version of this movie that works. Sorry, if we can, if it's one or the other, and we lose the two-hour forty-six version, I think the three and a half-hour version is going to work an awful lot better than the hour and a half. I think if yeah. if we lose this version and we can have one or the other, there's no way. Maybe maybe the wacky comedy with Martin Short. That would work as an hour and a half. <laughs> yeah. Or um, John Travolta. John, John Travolta, directed by Ron Howard. See, this is the thing. If Ron Howard's directing, I think it's it's full tilt into Gump. I think they're going for that sort of more so comedy tone than... Um, that's where this film works. This film has lots of great comedic elements, but where Forrest Gump leads into the, leans into the comedy, uh, this leans into the inherent drama sadness. Anything else? Anything else? Anything else? <laughs> um, anything left from your notes, Ryan? Um, That's it, really. I, I kind of touched upon like how it was perfect for the time, mm. uh, which I agree with. It would have been really interesting to see it done now. Mm. With obviously, you got hyper realistic uh, well, AI and stuff. No, but Who this would you is the cast thing. From, from Who would I cast now? Mm-hmm. So, what's Pitt? Pitt's. How old's. So, we're saying Pitt's. I think Pitt's 40 when he makes this, isn't he? Because he's 50 now, I think. Right. So, we're looking at a 40 year old. I mean, potentially, you could use anyone of any age. I feel like you're you've you've got one in the bag. I actually don't. I was just oh, right. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, 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 
I don't know. I think. I think history, I'd love. Well, I mean, Hoffman kind of did a version of this with Little Big Man. If you want to see a version of Benjamin Button with bad effects, watch Little Big Man with Dustin Hoffman, where he's old and he looks like a Star Wars villain. <laughs> um, I don't know. I think uh, I, I really like Pitt. I guess you could go DiCaprio. That's what I was thinking, actually. Right, I'm going to pick a random movie. Say when. When. Side effects. Okay, who's working? Who who is our new Benjamin Button? Is it Jude Law, <laughs> or is it Channing Tatum? That's not the worst lineup. They're not. That's not. Well, no. I side like, effects is excellent. Love side, side effects is great. I quite like Jude Law as as Button. Yeah, I could do that. I think you could pull that off. You know. Next straddling side effects. We could have very nearly had Andrew Garfield from Silence, which I don't like, but also in Silence, Adam Driver. Oh. <laughs> it's a lot more serious of a movie. Yeah. I think I think there would be, we'd have to lead even more into the drama, and I think then you lose the whack, and then I think the wackiness becomes absurd. It's, again, Every day I wake up and I'm a little bit younger. <laughs> I was born old. Do you know I was hot shit? I was born old and I could have fucked anything I wanted and then I fucked them. I fucked two, three, maybe four. I think that may be my best new modern impression is maybe not the whole Adam Driver thing, but the but I really got down that I was hot shit and I could have fucked anything I wanted, but I didn't. Really, if I don't, if I if, there we go, I'm gonna break, break my <laughs> arm right, jerking. He's, yeah. here. he's in the room. Break my arm jerking myself off and patting my <laughs> arm back. Um, alternate ending corner. No, I think this is the ending that this film uh gets. Yeah, uh, a few fun facts, not really many this time actually. Um the very day he'd learned of his Golden Globe nomination, screenwriter Eric Roth also learned that his retirement fund had been wiped out by the Bernie Madoff Ponzi scheme. <laughs> I don't know why I'm laughing. It's quite upsetting. Uh, that same day I learned... That it's, it's, very, it's very fun. It's very button. Yeah. Very did he, did he win the Golden Globes? No, I don't know. Who cares about the Golden Globes? But uh, I'll double check for you, though. This this does feel like a big Golden Globe winner. Mm. No, I don't want Roald and Bellatrix, The Tale of the Curious Mouse. It won it won its three Oscars. Um, Golden Globe nominee for drama, nominee uh, for Brad Pitt. Yeah, nominee. All 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 nominees. It didn't win. That's not going to pay the retirement fund. <laughs> no, it's not. <laughs> Poor Eric Roth. Um, other fun facts. The short story based is based on a remark by author Mark Twain. Twain famously remarks that the best part of life was from the beginning and the worst part was from the end. No, that's it really. Uh, the film cast includes four Oscar winners. Can you name them? Um, I mean, Brad's got a bad one. Brad won last year. For, uh, well, Last 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 year for Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. 
was Kate Blanchett? Yeah, she won for the uh, the Golden Age uh, and for the wonderful Woody Allen movie Blue Jasmine. And she said, "I want to thank Woody." And there was an awkward, <laughs> "Do we clap? Do we not clap?" Smattering of applause. You can. It is a smattering. You can hear it. Uh, and everybody should have clapped. But anyway, uh, you've got two left. Okay. Um, Taraji Henson's had a race anyway. She was nominated, never won. Four. Uh, I think she got a nominee for Hidden Figures. Hidden Figures. Oh, she should have won that. Um, Tilda. Tilda and the Herschel. Uh, the name of Benjamin's sailboat is Button Up. Oh, cute. Uh, Julia Armand filmed her scenes last, two weeks before end of shooting. During that period, Kate Blanchett had to go undergo four hours of daily makeup to play a near-dead daisy. Uh, she could only lie on the hospital bed for a short period of time due to excessive heat generated by studio lights and the blankets. Oh my god. That I won't like lie, hell. did not realise that was... Kate Blanchett. <laughs> I, I couldn't remember whether it was, and then I was like, is that... Because it's really good makeup. Yeah. And like the voice, you don't really recognise either. Give her that nomination. Get rid of Melissa Leo. Um, David Fincher admitted that the reason why Brad Pitt does not continue to portray Benjamin uh, is because the special effects budget was depleted. However, Fincher argues that having different actors play Benjamin from that period onward was effective since he is essentially a different character. I fully agree, David. Yeah. Uh, these are the four taglines. What do you think is the best? Life isn't measured in minutes, but in moments. Don't like that. I was born Very under a new... Yeah. <laughs> I was born under unusual circumstances. I mean, sure. Life can only be understood backwards. Sorry. Life can only be understood backward. It must Read be it lived. backwards. <laughs> it must be lived forward. That's terrible. That is terrible. And are you ready for this one? Time is passing even backwards. They are some, <laughs> they are some god-awful headlines. One of the brilliant lines in the actual movie. I think I Those was born under unusual circumstances. Could could work. <laughs> Surely, if he was born under. <laughs> yeah, I could go for that. At least it's not meet in the middle uh, this summer. <laughs> <laughs> um, here are my here's Tom's big questions. How's it work? So if he's got so if he's got great libido when he's um, when he's sixteen, but he's an old man, what's his libido? How how how's the sex on their final night? Is he a 20-year-old or does he have 70-year-old sex in him? I mean, it's 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 really like case by case, you know, there are 80-year-olds. I don't think still... there's many cases of Benjamin Button. <laughs> you never know. No, I just mean that um there are 80-year-olds with fantastic sex drive. Mm. Haven't met any personally, but um, they're out there. And I think it would be driven by love as opposed to any kind of carnal desire. Because, you know, she's old as well. And so... She's well, she not... says, she's like, oh, I think I've forgotten. Was that something she don't forget? <laughs> there we go. That raises a point, actually, as well. Because like, if she hasn't slept with her husband in a while, anything that Brad Pitt mm -hmm. does is going to be great. <laughs> This is true. Yeah, is, uh, how is the relationship with her and Rob? This is Robert. I mean, he's the one she settled for, so there's always going to be that. 
Mm. He's a widow. He's a widow as well. There's that sort of they met in the middle. <laughs> um, the bit where Jared Harris is talking with Russians is that guy supposed to be Stalin? Like he's fully dressed like Stalin and he's got the Stalin tash. It would make sense. It's, that's that's what, the thing. It's very gun-pesque, all these like little Easter eggs. We gun. don't give a lot of um, time to. No. You know the depressing Gump sequel story? No. Okay, we're going to make a sequel to Forrest Gump uh, with him like being wacky about OJ and stuff. And then 9-11 happened. And they were like, I don't know what a wacky version of Forrest Gump talking about 9-11 is. Yeah. How can he... Like, I mean, just miss 9-11 does he like <laughs> i was in new york and then the next day <laughs> like what's what's the wacky 9-11 comment <laughs> he was like delivering mail i don't i don't took planes anymore it's like <laughs> where do you take it and like is jenny's dead does he meet somebody else is... that's the thing like you couldn't even begin to think about it now even because People are still very touchy about 9-11. They're not the Understandably. <laughs> You're a bit touchy about yeah. uh, 9-11. Not a criticism, but obviously, like, it's not seen in the same lens as, like, the Vietnam War, for example. Yeah. The Vietnam War is very epic in its scope. Hmm. And it's, it's weird because <laughs> this is a tangent I did not expect. But, like, <laughs> the Vietnam War is very epic in its scope. And so you can sort of put Gump in anywhere. Yeah. 9-11... It's a personal tragedy for, like, a lot of people. As was Vietnam. But I don't... Yeah, no. What is the big difference between Vietnam and... Tom's big question. What's the big difference between (laughs) Vietnam and 9-11? Why are we allowed to make jokes about Nam flashbacks? Because they're great. Anytime anybody (laughs) says Nam... Just it gets a laugh from me. Um, it's the same movie as Interview of a Vampire. Uh, this is another movie where Brad Pitt ages oddly and goes through lots of decades. Love Interview yeah. of a Vampire. Great movie. Um, with Kirsten Dunst, future co-star of uh, The Beguiled with Elle Fanning. Um, In case you forgot, guys, watch The Beguiled. Watch The Beguiled. And also, this movie's just big. Yes. This movie, <laughs> this, sorry, the final sex scene with Daisy and Benjamin is as if uh, in the scene where he's turns into a child and he's got his big suit on and he's waving, she then got out of the car and they had sex one more time. That's what Benjamin <laughs> oh. Button is. Did they actually have sex in Big? Yes. Yeah, because he's like, because he, she, she puts his hand on his on her boob, and then I mean, he keeps. I, yeah, I assume no, they're that, you know, kissing and they fall to face. the bed. Did you want a full graphic sex scene in the tw- in the PG no, rated movie? That's bit? the point. I didn't want anything. Well, there's that great I, I moment. I guess I just like refuse to see Think the illusion. Well, he keeps turning the light on. <laughs> so weird. I watched a sketch of like the woman trying to justify her own actions. Well, I think. You know, again, the woman. I don't even know her name. And I know these yeah. sort of weird little things. Absolutely. I know that Paul Paul Reiser plays the guy who's mean to him. But um, there's the incredible moment that she should have won Best Actress for, where it flashes across her eyes. Like, 
I just smoked a little boy, maybe dressed as a man. She doesn't understand. <laughs> she doesn't understand the the mythology of this. Anyway, again, trying like in an attempt to bring it back to the core material. People are too accepting of these circumstances. They're just like, okay, this is this is fine. I guess the big is harder to wrap your head around because you can't see the visuals. No. In the universe the of end. in the universe of Big, that woman grows up and watches Curious Case Benjamin Button, and now she finally has a reason to sleep at night. Um <laughs> that's 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 really it for Tom's big question. And that's really it for Curious Case of Benjamin Button. Yeah. Um a movie that I greatly admire, greatly enjoy, and um, I think is very underrated in Fincher's canon. Agreed. And I wish, and I guess I've got my wish with Mank. You know, I love your serial killer movies. I love your dark, disturbing movies. Um, I'm going to talk about one uh, in a couple of episodes. Um, I love, I love your dark stuff, David, um, but you're allowed to make sweet movies too. Um, I really hope he sees this. (laughs) I I hope David Finch. David, hello. If you are watching this from the from the future, I'm sorry you didn't win for Mank. Oh, if he doesn't win for Mank, it's going to be like oh, oh, oh. People are going to watch this and going to be like, ha ha. I I hope he wins for Mank. I hope Mank's a sweep. If Mank doesn't sweep in a year where Trolls World Tour is the <laughs> biggest movie of the year, then we des- we don't deserve Mank. Best actor, Justin Timberlake for Trolls World Tour. Best supporting actor, Justin Timberlake for Social Network. Great, next episode. Yeah. He, he, didn't get, he didn't win, didn't get nominated, but it's great work, JT. Yeah. Stay you know, tuned. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> One million dollars isn't cool. You know it's cool? No, what does he say? What's the cool, anyway. Yeah, we'll we'll get it. <laughs> Great Dakota Johnson scene. Sean Sean Ryan uh, Sean, what's he called? Sean Parker made Napster. Parker. I'm oh, I just n- nice, Sean nice to meet you. Great, love Dakota Johnson. That was where. <laughs> that was where we were like, yeah, Dakota Johnson, and then the Fifty Shades, the Fifty Shades of Grey took her. And uh, are they good movies? You seen them? Um, no, I refuse. No. I remember this is the final anecdote of the episode. My grandma Pat uh, reads a lot, and she often lends me books. And I remember her telling me about this uh, new best-selling trilogy of love stories, and that she bought all three, and that I could borrow them after. Not and then suddenly, story. and then and then suddenly, they were at my mum's bedside, and. Um, and I was like, Grandma's read them quick. And she said, no, she didn't read them. They're... And then and then by that time, we all knew what Fifty Shades of Grey was. Pure smut. Pure smut. I like the idea that your grandma didn't just put them down. She read them with a ferocious pace. <laughs> and then, then there's the other Fifty Shades of Grey anecdote in my family, is when the Amazon man comes and he yawns and my mum goes, oh, uh, you've been... Uh, Tired, and he goes, "Yeah, my wife's got that Fifty Shades of Grey book. She's been keeping me up." And uh, oh no, uh, oh, read, reading light. <laughs> no, 
if that doesn't make it into one of your screenplays, I'll be very disappointed. Well, this is the thing. Fifty Shades of Grey isn't a thing anymore, as exemplified by the movie Book Club about Diane Keaton and Candice yeah. Bergen and um, Mary Steenburgen. <laughs> um, and Mary Steenburgen. When I, if I had a stroke in real life, nobody would notice. They'd just think, oh, he's trying to think of, a, of an actor <laughs> that won Best Supporting Actor in 1975. I can see the steam coming out your ears. And um, oh, Candice Bergen. And, um, <laughs> and it was like, oh, I've got this book. And it was like five years after Fifty Shades of Grey. Yeah. Just doesn't make any sense. I mean, you can just make up a new title. I guess it could work in the trial of Ian Donnelly. Oh, it's a dirty, dirty sort of joke. There you go. And for all you people who have found these film podcasts uh, when I've won my Best Actor Award and my Best <laughs> Director and my Best Writer and Best Film Sweep, and you're like, oh, wow. And there'll be a tweet and it'll be like, uh, how has nobody ever told me that Thomas Carruthers has multiple hours of, of podcasts <laughs> on YouTube? How did we not know this? And then they go boom again. And then finally people watch them. With Rian Holmes, who is the star of oh, Trial of Ian Yes. Best, best supporting actress for her. I'm Rian speaking Holmes. it into existence now. Did you uh, Did you know that, uh, that Tom and Will are uh, like a... Anyway. Um, well, that's... that's the, the, I, this is, I think, the modern goal of millennial actors and all that. I've not met a single person whose goal isn't to be on Graham Norton. Yeah. I want to be on Graham Without Norton. A shadow of a doubt. I want to be on Graham Norton with a friend, and then for him to go. But you two already know each other, don't you? Because you went to school together. <laughs> go, yeah, yes. we go way back. Yeah, well, uh, yeah, yes. Um, before Meryl played uh, Liz in Chelsea and Dunleo, uh, Rian played her in a read through. Um, I've been Thomas Carruthers. You've been Rian Holmes. Or you can say it yourself. I've been Thomas Carruthers. And I've also been Thomas Carruthers. <laughs> And this is a very hmm, curious. <laughs> <laughs>